Ron and Anian. You need to think ahead. Not only do you need to get the car sorted out and checked over and look at the basics, you've got to think about the what if. You've got to think about what if you get a flat. What's going to happen? The Car Doctor. What makes you think the trans is slipping? Well, I don't think the trans is slipping. It shifts smooth as glass. It oh, never is hunting for a gear. It never slips out of overdrive. It just feels like it's slipping a little bit. Welcome to the radio home of Ron and Anian, The Car Doctor. Since 1991, this is where car owners the world over turn to for their definitive opinion on automotive repair. If your mechanic's giving you a busy signal, pick up the phone and call in. The garage doors are open. But I am here to take your calls at 855-560-9900. And now, here's Ronnie. Hey, welcome. Ronnie and the car doctor here, 855-560-9900. Gather around, let's sit and talk. Let's get together and talk about your automobile and get that problem solved, get you pointed in the right direction, and uh, help you motor on down the road nice and smooth. www.cardoctorshow.com. Why don't you do that again? www.cardoctorshow.com. I made Tom laugh, and um, he's uh, he's manning the board today on his own. You, Tony, um, Tony's amongst the missing. Go ahead. You, should, you forgot to remind me to oil your mouth before well, we went yeah, out here. Uh, okay, www.cardoctorshow.com and uh, tunein.com and iHeart. You know, I I never do that. If you notice, I've never said www. I don't know why. You know, my brain just went and saw www, and that was anyway. Let's get now on we with the to show. Charge that battery. Yeah, we Come charge on, that battery. Hey, you know, I took a nap before the show, so I'm kind of fired up and ready to go today. Um, but in any event, cardoctorshow.com, tune in, iHeart, iTunes, all the places you want for podcasting and subscribing to, and uh, if you can, and click subscribe, and it you know it, it it helps us count the numbers, and the numbers keep growing. We appreciate that. Also, if you need me during the week, Ron at cardoctorshow.com, we can talk about your car problem. It was a long week, and it was just a, you know, it was a short week, right? This was Memorial Day week, so we were closed on Monday, and Tuesday we hit it hard, and we fixed a pile of cars, and then Wednesday it was the dentist in the middle of the day, not that you need to know that, but now you do, and then 4 o'clock on Wednesday, we banged it up an hour early. If you came by the shop on Wednesday, well, I wasn't there. We we banged the whole thing up, and I got out early. I had to get, I had to get what's normally a forty-five minute trip. But for those of you that live in an area where there's traffic at rush hour, you understand that. And I went. I uh, had to get an hour away, and it uh, would have been a two and a half hour ride. And I did it in an hour because I left early. I went down to Island, New Jersey, exit one thirty-one, and I spent four and a half, almost five hours. With the trainers from Automotive Training Group, ATGtraining.com, and talking to them with Chrysler, about Chrysler, learning Chrysler, and a, a car line that I do not see a lot of right now, and I think it's got to do with the way the market is trending and, uh, you know, the way Chryslers are selling. I don't think they're selling nearly as what a Toyota, Ford, GM, etc. is, but still, it's systems you have to know because... When you know one system, you can work on that second system. You can take a look at and start to make some deductive reasoning about how this works or that works. And and truth be told, the instructor Chris Lewis brought up in the class that a lot of what we see on cars today are merely the manufacturers stealing from one another in one sense. He didn't say it so much in those so many words, but you kind of got that when when you read between the lines. One of the things I learned in class this week, and then I repeated that, by the way. I came home Wednesday night, 12, 12.30, got up, did the whole work thing till 4 o'clock, ran back down to Island um, uh, till 
got home 1230 Thursday night, got up and came to work on Friday. So it's been a long week. But it was worth it. It was worth every minute of it. It was worth every penny of it because of, you know, sitting there in that environment and the things that you pick up and the little tidbits here and there. One of the words I, I, I've learned this week, and I think it's a great word, and I think we're going to start to incorporate more here on the show. It's a great way to look at it, and it's something ATG created, are high-level indicators. And that's really what I want to talk to you about today, high-level indicators. What's going on? You know, you tell me your car does this or that. And it's, it's basically what I've been talking about for the past 26 years, past 43 years repairing cars. You know, the car breaks. What did it do? Not... What do you think it is? Uh, you know, but but what did it do? It stalled. Okay, so what are you going to test? What are you going to look at to determine where you want to go and make the repair? And sometimes that high-level indicator process involves, and it always actually involves, testing known good. Or, you know, eliminate fuel pressure. Uh, talking with one of the fellows in the class, he was stunned to hear that I hook a fuel pressure gauge up to just about every diagnosis I do. Uh, you know, and I, I explained the whole, you know, in three minutes, hook up a fuel pressure gauge on a, on a Schrader valve equipped car. In three minutes, you know pressure, you know volume, you know you take a fuel sample by hitting the release valve into the Snapple bottle. You guys have heard me talk about this for years. At least I can take that off the chart. But how many cars have I fixed because... It was a dirty fuel sample. Or how many cars have I fixed because as I left the fuel pressure gauge hooked up, 20 minutes later, the pressure started to bleed off and drop or, or get flaky and start to rise and fall, or it didn't have the volume? How many cars? High-level indicators. It's also looking at and thinking, you know, what are the critical inputs? And that's something I've, I've talked about and taught here on radio for umpteen years and uh, do so in the shop, basically, at the counter every day in the sense that, you know, where was coolant temp? Where was intake? Where was, you know, wh- what did the fuel trims do? And, and, and the problem is, though, that we're, we're ha- learning to change the way we do some of this because the grouping of data PIDs is just the number of PIDs is, you know, some manufacturers are putting out 400 PIDs, 400 pieces of information. Which is why when we diagnose, and we talked about this in class, that you really start on the OBD2 side of life and start to look at the same basic functional groups or same functional pieces of data from car to car to car. It was interesting. Chrysler calls some things totally different terminology, upstream, downstream O2 sensors, totally different than what the rest of the car manufacturers do. And it, it makes it so specific. Great if you're a Chrysler tech, and that's all you're seeing. But if you are a, you know, if you're an independent repair shop tech, it's it's a necessity. So you know you need to understand and realize that OBD two is really where it's at. One of the disappointments in the class, and I only had one, was this. There were twenty seven technicians there. Twenty seven. 27 technicians for what I consider some of the best, I'm going to say it, some of the best damn training on the planet. How come in all of New Jersey, Staten Island, New York, Connecticut, and Pennsylvania, only 27 mechanics needed to come to a training class? 
you, the consumer, I want the technicians to step out of the room and put their egos away and stop saying, stop throwing things at the radio. This isn't about picking on people. This is about why aren't we making the effort? I, I still, to this day, three, four training classes a month. Easy, easy. And, you know, I'm tired. I'm beat up. I'm, I'm, I'm coming to the end, you know. I keep thinking that anyway. You know, 10 years is going to go by in a blink. Watch this. But where are the young kids? Where are the youngsters? Where are the middle ground guys, the guys that are just starting out? Does everybody not, or does everybody know how to do this? And I think not, because if if nobody had car problems, if nobody had broken cars, the phone would never ring here, folks. All the car shows that are in the country, and there's not a lot of them, I give you that. Um, there's not a lot of nationally syndicated radio talk shows about automobiles. But, you know, why are they always so busy? Why are the better mechanics always busy? Why are the bigger shops or the more qualified shops always backlogged? 27 mechanics. Whole state of New Jersey, Pennsylvania, Staten Island, parts of New York, lower Connecticut. Why are guys afraid to travel? Why won't they take the training? So I want you to ask your mechanic, you know, the next time, and I can prove that mechanics need to go to training. I want to, you know, anybody that calls in today and it's, you know, I took the car to the mechanic three times and they still can't fix it. And you know what? Yeah. For the mechanics out there, you don't like it? Tough. All right. It's it's what are you doing wrong? What are you missing? What new processes haven't you opened your mind to? And 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 that's where training really comes in, and that's why training is so darn important. ATGtraining.com. I'll I'll close the segment with this. Uh, you know, one of the things Chris said in class Wednesday night when he was talking about tr- changing the way you approach training. You know, as as a shop owner, do you run your business the same way you did 10 years ago? I can simplify it even more than that. I can tell you my story, all right? Up until about a year ago, we had a 30-gallon drum of green antifreeze, traditional green antifreeze that I mixed. I made my own antifreeze. I took, you know, fresh coolant with, with, with good, clean, distilled water and so on because I was always particular about where the coolant came from. And I made my drum, my coolant drum. It was, you know, don't touch Ron's drum. Everybody, you know, or I show you how to make it, and everybody got to, to, to do the thing. We don't have that anymore. About four months ago, I came to the conclusion, I don't sell nearly the same amount of green antifreeze anymore that I can justify the floor space, and it's gone. And now I've gone to a manufacturer with premixed coolant that it's just as easy for the few gallons I sell in comparison to the hundreds of gallons that I sold I don't need it anymore. Business has changed. The industry is changing. The tolerances are getting tighter. The technology is increasing. In a lot of ways, cars are getting simpler, but you still need the understanding and the training to properly repair it. Next time your mechanic says, gee, I don't know, I can't fix this, or the next time you got to take the car back to the mechanic two or three times, ask him. Have you got the training on this car? Maybe the consumer has to push the mechanic because maybe that's what it takes to properly motivate the industry to get them out there to get training. It's still one of the things that, I don't know, I look around a lot of training classes and a lot of the rooms are still empty. 855-560-9900. Ron and Andy and the Car Doctor at your service. We're coming back right after this. Don't go away.
Welcome back. Ron and Andy, the car doctor here with a new attitude, talking to you about automotive problems and how to go about diagnosing them at 855-560-9900, cardoctorshow.com. Um, Tom had a – I'm going to pull Tom back in here for a quick second before we open up the phone. Yes. Tom, tell us the story, the comment you made when we were on the pause about what you said about the Society of Automotive of Radio Broadcast Engineers. Tell, tell us that story. I belong to a group. It's called the Society of Broadcast Engineers, and, and we're dedicated to education and the local chapter in New York City. We've got close to 200 members. Matter of fact, I was chairman for 10 years. Um, y- you put on some good programs. You bring in some great people. I mean, it's New York City. Everybody and his uncle wants to come and present to the SBE chapter in New York City because we're New York City. Right. And same 10 people show up all the time. And maybe, you know, when you hold the barbecue, you get about 60 or 70. And the same 10 people all the time. And it's like, don't don't you really want to learn something? And, and after the fact, you end up getting phone calls. Have you ever seen this problem before? Well, it's, it's, yeah, they talked about it. And, and, right. And let me finish that comment because the finish to that comment is, but you always get the phone calls from the people that weren't at the training class. Exactly. Which is just the way the automotive industry is. I, I was thinking about this driving back and forth to the ATG uh, class this week in that, you know, first of all, you know, it's because you're, you're, you know, it's a lonely ride. <laughs> okay. You know, I felt like I lived on the New Jersey, on the Garden State Parkway this week, but um, you start thinking about, uh, and I can think about two shops in particular in the last two years. They're gone now. They went out of business. And they always talked about, you know, they would always come in and look at what I was doing. Ah, you don't need a lab scope. Ah, you don't need this scan tool. Oh, you have too many tools. Oh, you, you go to too much classes. You know, everything I was doing was wrong. And where are they now? Well, you know, and that's that's the catch-all. That's the part I don't get. And you know it's 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 a sign of the times. It's the 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 the, the industry in trouble. Know, there is they don't a difference. Realize it. There's a difference between what you do and what I do. What I do, a lot of people. I, I mean, I, I'm an independent contractor, but a lot of people have a full time job. So if you don't really know, nah, okay. So you make a couple of phone calls and you kind of figure it out. You and I can't do that. We have to right. be on our game every single time. Every single time. And and folks, I got to tell you, this this gentleman, my 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 engineer, my board, this is the man who has built more than a few radio stations in his day. The transmitters, the towers, the you know, this guy will get me on the air in the middle of the Sahara Desert with a juice can and a string, and I'm very kind. We've done it. Um, maybe not the desert, but we've had a few instances where oh boy, we're thirty seconds to air and we've lost signals and. He's you've never heard a drop in all the years Tom's running the gig. So um, let me tell you something. Here's a guy who knows what he's doing and he's he's going for training all the time. It's it's just got to be part of the vernacular. It's got to be part of the landscape. Let's kick the garage doors open and go to Larry Eureka, California and uh, O2 Mazda with a stalling problem. It cuts out. Larry, welcome to the car doctor, sir. How can I help? Well, yeah. So um I was driving down the highway, no check engine light, cruising along at 65 miles an hour, and the car stalls. Okay. Um, Just like it, you know, it lost complete power. So I pulled off the road, um, tried to start the car. It turned over. Um, All the accessories worked, headlights, you know, all that stuff, radio worked, all that. So I sat there for about 10 minutes, tried to start the car again, and it started right up. Has it done it since? It has. Okay. So on the drive back uh, to town, uh, cruising along, and it stalled, and the check engine light started to flash this time. 
uh, in the flash for about oh, 10 miles or so, and the car quit. Same thing. I waited about two, three minutes, tried to start the car, wouldn't start, tried again in a couple minutes, started right up. Um, check engine light stayed on, took it to a mechanic, and they ran some codes and said it had to do with the um, crankshaft uh, or camshaft indicator or something. Right, and crankshaft, crankshaft position sensor? Something like that. They didn't give me the number. Okay. And they said, let me let know, me Let me just comment on that, yeah. Larry, first of yeah. all. Did you pay for this diagnosis? No. You didn't? No, this guy works on this car and my other cars quite a bit, so. Okay, but but did you get any? You, you, I guess the point I'm trying to make is you got what you paid for. You, yeah. You, you didn't you didn't you didn't pay for any information and you didn't get any information. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. you, you know, and and it's always you know, and that's another thing that I'm going to start to talk about more here on the show. We've got to teach mechanics to to print, you know, to retrieve codes, print codes, print data, hand it to the consumer. Mm-hmm. When I go to the doctor, Larry, when you go to the doctor and they run tests, do you get a copy of that test? I do. You pay, you pay for it. it, right? You ask for it. You're yeah. entitled to it. Yeah. Why don't we do that with mechanics? Why don't mechanics give consumers printed reports as, as a regular habit and let the consumer say, the customer say, no, I'm not interested. I don't want it. Mm-hmm. And, and I don't understand that. So it's got a crank sensor fault in it or, or a cam sensor fault in it. You're not necessarily sure. And the car is still acting up, or were they able to try and were they able to repair it? Did they make a repair attempt, or no. what did they do? No, they didn't make a repair attempt. They said, "Take the car, and if it happens again, bring it home or bring it back to them." So I took it home, and it, I drove it for a couple of days, and I was and I headed back home, and I was sitting in the garage listening to the radio, and it quit while I was sitting in the garage. Okay. No check engine light. It just quit. So. I waited about five or ten minutes, and it started up, just like it always does. Okay. And uh, I took it back to him the next day, and they still have it. All right. I'll tell you what, Larry. Sit tight. Don't go anywhere. Let me pull over and take this pause. When we come back, I'm going to tell you what I believe their next steps should be, and maybe you can kind of coach them along. Ron and Annie and the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. Coming back right after this. Welcome back. Ron and Andy, The Car Doctor, 855-560-9900, podcasting at cardoctorshow.com. Tune in iHeart, and uh, don't forget to subscribe over, and uh, let's uh, take The Car Doctor out on the road. Uh, back on the line, Larry from Eureka, California. You're still there, sir? Yes. We're talking about Larry's O2 Mazda 626 that stalls, uh, it seems, after 10 minutes of driving or 10 minutes of idling, whatever the case might be, or it might take 10 minutes for it to to wake up. But it's a it's becoming a repeatable failure, correct, Larry? Yes, that's, yes, it is. Right, and it's, okay. it's coming closer and closer together. Right, so so whatever it is, it's getting worse. It's, yeah. it's getting uglier. So you know, one of the things I would do at this point is I would I would, and it doesn't have to be a high tech scope, but here's a case where I would put a, I would get out a, a lab scope and start to look at the signal that the cam or crank or both sensors, if that's the fault code they're getting, is producing. Mm-hmm. Now you know. Electronic signals don't necessarily have to get to the point of being where the car vehicle stalls before you can pick it out as bad. Uh, a, a lot of times we'll hook up a scope on a suspect component and we'll see it start to degrade its signal or start to degrade its pattern, and then eventually it affects the way the car runs, but not right away. And my point is hooking up a scope might be able to tell you within 
10 minutes time that this vehicle, yeah, it needs a crank sensor, it needs a cam sensor. Here's the area to go. Mm-hmm. All right. I, know, I had a I had a timing belt replaced at last August um, with ninety three thousand miles. That was about five thousand miles ago. But the cars run fine. Okay. Well, and I don't think I don't necessarily think that has anything to do with it. But but here's here's the key piece of information. Okay. Mm-hmm. And this is what I really want to stress. Let's say it's a crank sensor code that they've gotten out of this vehicle. All right. The biggest mistake they can make. All right is to just put a crank sensor in it. Mm-hmm. Because one of the nice things about testing that component, about hooking a scope up to that crank sensor or cam sensor, whatever the case might be, will be to see when the car stalls, hey, what what this, what the sensor do? Look at that. It's a square wave, and all of a sudden, you know, 30 seconds before it stalled, the sensor started to get round in the corners, and then it went flat line, or it, it changed its amplitude, or it, it, it just changed. The signal went south. Guess what? It's a crank sensor, or maybe it's a power supply or something like that. At least we know we're on the right component. Mm-hmm. If, if the moment before that vehicle shut off, that signal out of the crank sensor was nice, clean, and crisp, why are you going to put a crank sensor in it? What's the mm-hmm. point? Mm-hmm. And, 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 you know, that's the kind of things I'm hoping your mechanic comes back to you and says, well, you know, Larry, we did this, we did this, we did this. Um, you know, one of the other things to be concerned with on this particular vehicle is, and I just want to add this, you know, in terms of crank sensor, and then we're going to move on. Um, if they get past cam and crank, and it's not that. What I have also seen on, on this particular generation, this is the uh, stepchild Ford, the Mazdas, is take a look at PCM, take a look at the powertrain control module, the actual computer itself. And, you know, they want to verify power and grounds, and then they want to possibly consider doing some testing or smacking around or, you know, whatever they can do to abuse that electronic electronic module, the powertrain control module. Does that get the vehicle shut off? Mm-hmm. All right. You know, do they go in with a scan tool? And, you know, I love it when they say, well, I've got no codes. There's nothing wrong with the car. Mm-hmm. Um, do they go in with a scan tool and look at some of the, the PIDs, look at some of the pieces of data? Did they reset? Did fuel trim come back to zero automatically? Did anything in adaptive memory come back to zero, showing that the computer thought it lost power as if the battery was disconnected, but it was not? All right. And that tells us that either the computer did lose power and ground or the computer itself suffered an internal failure and it kind of did a reboot if you want to think of it like that. Mm -hmm. So those are the areas I would be paying attention to. It wouldn't hurt if it's if it's five minutes to hook a fuel pressure gauge up to this car, Mm -hmm. hook it up. Absolutely, positively. At least they'll know what fuel pressure is doing. It's a 2002. It, it's got at least 100,000 miles on it. It's no spring chicken. You're, you're, you're out in California. It's a hot environment. All right? It's, it's, it's tough on fuel system components as, as, as the rest of the vehicle. And it, it's, it's five minutes. If it's two hours, no, don't hook up a fuel pressure gauge. I don't think that's where the problem is, but at least, you know, have it in you the know, back I, of your head. You know, I had a fuel pump failure back in uh, 2011, and I had it replaced right. with a, uh, you know, a part that was manufactured. I don't want to say the manufacturer on the air, but it's a company whose name is similar to uh, a region out here in California that produces wine. Right. And um, I've had a couple of other of that manufacturer's components put on my car, and and they failed. So I I've always suspected that the fuel pump or the fuel filter is is the issue with this car, but I don't know. Well, you know what? Here's a great way to find out. 
mm-hmm. if uh, you know, are, are, is it possibly related? Codes don't fix cars. Okay. All right. Yeah. Codes yeah. don't define what's wrong with cars. Codes give us an area or an indicator. Here I am back to that word again. It is a it is a it is a, a an indication or an indicator of where the problem might be, not necessarily what the problem was. You know, if the cars were that smart, the, there were, there would be even more trouble codes. You know, it would be P zero three forty one point two five seven crank sensor loss signal on the downward slope. On the fall when it rose up over an extended time period after 10 minutes. That would be the first code. <laughs> okay? And it would just go on from there. So, they, you know, it's... not necessarily have to have the scope uh, at, attached to the car when the failure occurred? Not necessarily. Okay. All right? Uh, you know, again, uh, looking at... No, oh, I'm trying to think of an example. You ever go to the doctor for a heart problem, Larry? And I hope not, but you, you, maybe you know somebody that did. And yeah. what's, uh-huh. the fir- what's the first thing they do? You walk into an emergency room. Here, you walk into an emergency room. My, I've got a pain in my chest. What is the first thing they do? They hook you up to a heart monitor, right? Mm-hmm. And how many times have they hooked somebody up to a heart monitor? Larry, there's nothing wrong with your heart. It's solid. Mm-hmm. Okay. Or, Larry, we see something fuzzy. Even though the pain went away, Larry's like, hey, you know, I feel better. I'm going home. Sit right down, Larry. You know what? <laughs> There's something going on with your heart. We see it in the pattern. Mm-hmm. Same idea, different model. Mm-hmm. All right? How many times I've hooked up to a crank sensor, a cam sensor, a, a throttle position sensor, a mass airflow signal, and I'll start to see it get ragged and fuzzy. I got a fault code for a Bank 202 sensor heater circuit. But I've got a, I've got a, a sensor in an entirely different area of the car because using the brain God gave me, I deduced that, no, the problem is here, not here. Mm-hmm. All right? And, and that's, that's my point. So the vehicle's in for a diagnosis. It, 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 frankly, you should be getting charged for a diagnosis. All right? If they don't charge you for the diagnosis, Larry, they're doing you a disservice. Mm-hmm. Right, because they're not spending the time needed to fix the car, because they've got to eat too, the bank's got to get paid, the bills have to get paid, the employees have to get paid, and so on. But every diagnosis should cost something. It has value. Otherwise, it's worthless. You get what you pay for. Okay. And um, at that point, they can afford to hook up the scope and look at the signals that they're supposed to look at. Yeah, yeah. All right, sir? Okay, thank All right. you. Let me know what happens. You're very welcome. You take good care. Eight five 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 six zero nine nine zero zero. By the way, I almost forgot. Are we doing a giveaway this week, Tom? We're doing a giveaway. I, I believe we are, and it's not me. It's Much not to you. my wife's chagrin. Well, I think you gave away Tony. Tony's not here today. I noticed that. Um, Tony's mother called. Yeah. Tony's in trouble. Uh-oh. Tony had to go see mom. Uh-oh. Tony had to go see mommy. Um, yeah, but I think she's just coming up for a surprise visit. That's the worst kind. Yeah, well, that's, you know, it depends. Um, this week, we're giving away a... From Dash Pack, a Super Chips all-new in-cab performance tuner and monitor combination. Um, we were talking about this last week, and we're actually going to give it away this week, either this hour or next. Excellent. And, you know, this is sort of like, it's kind of like having th- that neighborhood kid that could, you know, tune the, I'm going to date myself, the carburetor. Remember a million years ago, carburetors, oh my God, what's that? The mixing valve. But you can actually tune the performance of the vehicle from in the cab. Now that... It's very cool. Yeah, it's it's really cool. So you can you you can make your modifications while you're driving. You can also monitor engine vitals. You can look at specific, um, you know, uh, temperature and things like that. You can look at specific specific 
Tom, I can't talk today. Can you tune up my mouth? The, 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 does this mean I have to take it off my car because I installed it before the show? Oh, is that where it is? I was wondering what happened to hey, it. Hey, it works. So, I tell uh, you, it does work. It does work. It works. They work really well. We're going to be giving away one of those from uh, uh, from the folks at Super Chip. So that's coming up either uh, this hour or next. Right now, let's pull over, take the pause, 855-560-9900. We're back right after this. back. Ron and Dean, the Car Doctor, 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's 24-7 phone number. Give us a call if we're not on the air. If you're a podcaster or you're streaming or you're doing it another way and um, we're not on the air, just call 855-560-9900. Leave a message. And Tom Ray, our producer, well, actually, Tom Ray, our producer, board operator, chief engineer, head cook and bottle washer and floor sweeper today, will call you back and get you in the queue for the following week's show as we continue to sally forth and repair all of America's broken cars. Let's get over and talk to Dave and Iowa, return call, 2000 Monte Carlo, and uh, some follow-up information, and I understand a few more questions. Dave, welcome back to The Car Doctor, sir. How are you? Hey, thank you so much, Ron. I really appreciate it. You're one of the greatest guys on the radio I've heard in my life. Ah, come okay. on, man. I'm just just trying to fix cars, baby. So, I know. You're turning red, right? You're just so embarrassed. Hey, look, well, you should be proud. Yeah. Uh, you know that the Monte Carlo... Uh, I went over to his shop and I waited till Sunday when he was closed because I didn't want to have a confrontation with him coming out there. Said, oh, you know. Anyway, uh, I took my friend over there. We had, we hooked it up on the computer and uh, we tried to start it up. And I didn't realize that when we looked under the engine, he had had the fuel line. Uh, he busted or broke the little uh, seal of the gasket that goes around there and there was yep, uh, gasoline sure. yeah. on top of the motor. Yep. Okay, and. Uh, then uh, it tried to start, but then it quit. So we hooked it up and found out. Uh, we took several readings off of it, and uh, we found that there was a malfunction in the uh, ignition control module. Okay. okay? So now, when I was passing that car, that uh, when this happened, uh, you know, I heard it pop. It it sounds like, you know, what a car would do when it uh, when it uh, is not firing right. You know, right. It, backfired. it backfired. Yep. Sure. Yeah, and the, the module didn't know what to do because I stepped on the gas, and I told him, I said, well, the module wasn't smart enough to realize that uh, uh, there's extra fuel in there, and it's just like, what reasons are we having gas so it's going to shut down, see, keep from planning to fire, probably is a safety precaution. I well, would either, just, either, either that or did the module get the wrong information from maybe the crank sensor, let's say, and it just skipped the beat and it fired the module at the wrong moment, or is the wiring harness rubbed through somewhere and it creates created a short and pulled the signal down low and created a, a misfire too but yeah i get your point i mean but there's a lot of things that can affect that module um you know to cause it to do that where does it stand now well uh i i i we haven't done it uh, yet i've got to go through that process again with him okay we've just been there for a second we wanted to see roughly how what much was messed up you know so he's going we're going to go back over there it's parked out behind his his uh, uh shop Right. So we're going to go back out there and go back through it and uh, try to do a little more testing on it. And, and uh, the, the spark plug wires were off. I mean, when he had it torn down, he just left it back there in a you know like in a mess. So we're going to try to reassemble it. It did start. It ran for a little bit and it quit. But I did check the fuel. Uh, you know, like you told me to do. Uh, uh, the pump is working. You know, so we got back and listened to that and uh, and it's getting gas, but it just runs for a few minutes and kind of. Missed this is a lot, okay, right. and then it just it closes, it shuts down. So. You, you know, once you once you stabilize this, Dave, that you know that you know the vital signs are all there. 
One last right. thing. I don't know if I mentioned this in our last call, but with it in park, if you're in a, if you're in a spot where you can do this, you know, by now most of the motor mounts in that car are kind of soft. It's a 2000. It's you know, it's 17 years old, dude. Um, yeah. You know, you wonder if you sat there in park, and I've done this on this particular generation GM, where you'll just sort of gently rock the car back and forth while it's running, and the engine will start uh-huh. to rock back and forth. And that, that sort of duplicates and replicates driving down the road and you know accelerating on and off the gas, turning the wheel, twisting the car. Um, watch the wiring harnesses. Does the car start to miss and buck while you're you know rocking the vehicle back and forth? Not violently, but you know get the engine to move on its mounts. Does that get the motor? Does that get the motor to miss and buck and stall? You know, chuggle and stall. And um, if it does, then maybe you've got a wiring harness issue as well. But here's a here's another case where absolutely positively, not just counting on a scan tool. I'd have a lab scope hooked up to this car, paying particular attention to the seven-time crankshaft position sensor and the way they rub through um, in different places, follow the harness up to the module and see what that looks like. Keep going, Dave. Call me back next week. Let me know where we stand, and uh, we'll pick it up from there. 855-560-9900. The Car Doctor's coming back right after this. back. Running the name of the car doctor here. Let's real quick, let's go over and talk to Sean in Wisconsin, 99 Ford Explorer. Sean, welcome to the car doctor, sir. I got about two minutes. How can I help? Okay, I got a 99, I'll make it brief. I got a 99 Ford Explorer. It had a, a miss when it started up cold. It would run for a little bit, rough idle, and then it'd clean up, run fine when it, once it got hot. Now the miss is more consistent. No check engine light. I replaced the plug, plug wires, uh, coil still has a miss. It's getting more significant. It seems to be number three cylinder. Okay. And that that's where I'm at. All right. So, you know, a, a miss on number three, is this a high RPM miss? It's under load miss. It's it's only under load. Is it consistent? Can you Can you duplicate it? Uh, yeah. Okay, so, you know, if, if if I take it out on the road and put my foot into the headlight, I'm going to experience it. Yeah, pretty much. It, it's like a mild load, you know, when you're, when you're cruising down the road and you're just accelerating a little bit. If you put your foot in it, it kind of cleans up. Okay. You don't notice it as much, but it, it's like when you're cruising, you can feel it kind of surging a little bit. It's there. I'll tell you what, Sean, the clock's going to take me. Stay put. We don't do this a lot, but it's also a way to say this. We'll finish up with ten, we'll finish up with Sean after the news at the top of the hour on most of these Car Doctor affiliates because there's another hour of Car Doctor to come. What do you think, Sean? Did that sound good? That'll work, right? So anyway, I'm running Indy and the Car Doctor reminding you, the mechanics aren't expensive. They're priceless. 